want to welcome you guys, uh, whether you're joining us in person or maybe you're watching online. I'm excited to dig into the truth of God's word together, but I also want to take a moment to look in the camera and say a big hello to all the men and women joining us in our correctional ministry. Man, we love you guys. We believe in you. Better yet, God loves you. God believes in you. And when we put our faith and our trust and our hope in him and we follow him, man, God has this ability to make all things work together for our good. And we're honored to have you a part of our church. So come on, D-Town. Let me welcome my church family today. Awesome. Uh, we'll jump into the message today because we are in week number three of our series called Sow and Reap. Now, this series is based off of the, this law or this principle that we see throughout Scripture. And probably one of the most famous uh, verses that has this law in it is Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Not in your notes, but Paul basically says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. In other words, how many of us know God doesn't make empty promises? Do not be deceived, church. God cannot be mocked. A person reaps what they sow. In other words, our actions bring results. What we sow, we reap. Now, I think it's important to, to understand that if we don't like some of the things that we're reaping in our lives, then maybe we need to change what we're sowing. Because what we reap, we, what we sow, we reap, right? We reap what we sow, and, and I was just thinking about this principle, and I was reminded of a couple weeks ago, my, my little guy, Braxton, also known as B-Rax, he's six years old, he has fell in love with basketball these past couple of months. Shout out March Madness, shout out Rock Chalk Jayhawk, go KU, even though they lost last night, it doesn't matter, I'm still a fan, I'm just, you, you Browns fans know what I'm talking about. Hey, misery loves company. I'm just saying, right? But he loves basketball, and he played in the rec league, you know, not too long ago, and so he's everything basketball right now. And the other day, he came in running into the house. Dad, 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 I just shot a three-pointer, and I made it. I go, you did? He goes, dude, I, I shot it from the grass. And anybody uh, knows that when you're shooting on uh, the driveway basketball hoop, when you're in the grass, that's like an NBA three-pointer, you know? He goes, Dad, I shot it like this, and I swished it. And I gave him a big old high five, and it's like, good job, buddy. But then I thought to myself, oh, no, that's not how you shoot a basketball. And I have not taken the time, because he's six, to really teach him proper form and elbow in, one hand, and gooseneck, come on, somebody, and the other one's just a guide. And I've not taken time to, to teach him the proper form or giving him the fundamentals or help lay a foundation. And, and there's nothing worse than when a little kid who doesn't have the strength shoots with two hands, and then they make it, because then they think, that's how you shoot a basketball. But what I know that he doesn't know is that over time, he'll miss more than he makes. And then I started thinking about this principle of sowing and reaping. And maybe, maybe many of us have never been taught this principle, especially as it relates to our finances and our money management, which by the way, the Bible has a ton to say about how to manage what God has entrusted to us. And, and so I started thinking about this, that maybe we've shot some, some shots with two hands and we've even had a little success. But what we're going to discover if we haven't already is that we'll miss more than we're going to make. 
So what I want to do today is I want to talk to us uh, about some just fundamental principles uh, when it comes to our finances. But before we jump into it, let me remind us of our key thought for this entire series. If you're taking notes, it's simply this. What you keep is all that you have, but what you sow, God multiplies. This is the law of sowing and reaping. What we keep is all that we have, but what we sow, we reap. And we always reap more than we sowed. And since that's the case, the title of the message today is How to Steward the Seed. How to Steward the Seed. How many of us know we've all been given seed? We all have money. Now, some of us have a little more than others, but we all have something. The question is, what are we doing with it? How are we stewarding the seed? Now, just to, just to remind us that, that in the New Testament, Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven or hell. And a couple reasons uh, for that is because, I mean, money is closely connected to our hearts. And God really, 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 quadruple really cares about our hearts. How, how many of us know the Bible says where your treasure is, there your Help me preach today. There your heart will be also. Solomon said in Proverbs chapter three, right? Uh, above all else, guard your heart. And so whenever the Bible's talking about money, it's not just talking about money. It's also talking about the condition of our hearts. Another reason why Jesus talked about money more than he did heaven or hell is because we think about money more than we think about heaven or hell. Think about it. We, it dominates much of our lives. Like we spend it every day and where's she at? We spend it every day and <laughs> some of us try to hide it. We invest it. We use it. I mean, it, it dominates much of our lives. And so Jesus had a lot to say about money management. Jesus even tells us that money management is actually a spiritual discipline. God cares how we handle what. He's entrusted to us. In fact, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, Jesus tells 37 parables. Just so we're on the same page, a parable was a story that Jesus told that used everyday life situations that allowed the people listening to be able to relate and understand what was going on. But woven into these stories, Jesus would, would, would weave into these, these spiritual principles that he was trying to teach everyone. And so out of these 37 parables that he told in the Gospels, over half of them are about money and material possessions. And we're going to study one of them together today. It's, it's found in Matthew chapter 25. It's known as the parable of the talents or the parable of the bags of money, which is actually more accurate because a talent back in the day wasn't there a bit, wasn't referring to our abilities. It was, a talent was actually a specific weight of gold. And in biblical times, there were three different types of talents. There was the Greek talent, which simply weighed 57 pounds. There was the Babylonian talent, which weighed 66 pounds. Then there was the Roman talent, which weighed 71 pounds. And so they were all specific amounts of money. And so we're going to study this story together. We're going to start in verse 14. We're going to read it in its entirety. So I hope you like the word of God today because we're going to read a lot of it. If not, 
kind of in the wrong place, but we're so glad that you're here. I'll try and read it uh, as animated as I possibly can to captivate your attention, but uh, you can pull out your, your Bibles, your iPhones, your iPads, or you can use your eyelids and look on the screens, but let's read it together. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Jesus said again. Everybody say again. The reason why he's saying again is, is if you read this chapter, Matthew chapter 25, he's actually telling different parables throughout this chapter, describing what the kingdom of heaven is like. In other words, he's saying the kingdom of heaven is not like the kingdom of this world. We don't do things the way you do things in the earth. So I'm trying to teach you these parables to show you this is what the kingdom of God is like. And so he says again, here's another example of what the kingdom of God is like. Let me give you another example of this law or this principle of sowing and reaping. He says, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold to another two bags and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, bro. Good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Verse 22, the man with two bags of gold came and said, Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. He said, Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. So that when I returned, I would have received it back at least with some interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And so what are the spiritual principles that Jesus is trying to teach us about the kingdom of heaven? I want to, as we study this story together, I want to give us five ways that we can steward the seed. This is a great week to take notes. You can do that on your, on your phones or through the Experience Church app, or you can even go old school with a little pen and paper, but I'd highly recommend it uh, to you. But the first way that we can steward the seed is to understand that, number one, everything I have belongs to God. Everything we have belongs to God. We, we have to settle this right out of the gate. It's not our money. It all belongs to God. Now, some of us, I know what some of us might be thinking. Yeah, but I mean, I put the time in, I put the effort in, I work for it, I put the blood, sweat, and tears into it, man. I, I earned it, I made it happen. And I would say, man, absolutely, great job. The Bible actually does say, if we don't work, we don't eat, and God wants us to have a good work ethic. 
but let's just kind of rewind a little bit and remember who spoke the heavens and the earth into existence. Just remember who created us, who knit us together in our mother's womb, who gave us the ability to work, who gave us the intelligence to work. Everything we have comes from God. And so we don't really own anything in life. It's really all just on loan. In fact, I, I, the other day I, uh, I had a progressive insurance moment. Uh, have you seen those commercials with Dr. Rick? And he's helping these people who are turning into their parents. I totally had one of those moments the other day because we were driving in the car and the kids were talking about our house and how we owned it. And I don't know if I just had made a mortgage payment. I don't know what was going on. But I was like, hold up. Let me just use this as a teaching moment. Just so y'all know, we don't own this house. Every single month, I give the bank a lot of money, and they let us live here. It's actually the bank's house. Oh, and by the way, next time you walk out of your room, shut the light off. And next time you brush your teeth, even though y'all don't really brush your teeth, but when you do, shut the water off. Come on, parents, where you at? I just took the liberty to, just to teach them some, some things they need to know in life. But, but even though that was a, a dad moment, the truth is everything we have belongs to God. I mean, we didn't bring anything into this world and we ain't going to take anything out of this world. Like the old saying that you're never going to see a U-Haul being pulled behind a hearse. You can't take it with you. Remember how the story started. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Again, Jesus said, it will be like this businessman going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. So this guy calls his three servants together and he trusted his property to them. And so when we're talking about the bags of money, whose money are we talking about? Is the money owned by the master or by the servants? It's the master's money, right? But he's giving it to the servants to take care of. Which brings us to the second way that we can steward the seed that God has given to us. And that is, number two, is understanding that I am the steward, God is the owner. I am the steward, God is the owner. The master entrusted his wealth to his servants. I mean, this is called stewardship. And let's take a look at what he gave to his servants. Matthew chapter 25 Verse 15, I find this to be interesting. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Now, now scholars believe that Jesus would have been referring to the Roman talent, which would have been 71 pounds of gold. Now, just to put that into perspective for us today, today, one pound of gold is worth $22,000. That means if you got a talent today or a bag of money today, you just one, you would have got $1.5 million. The servant who got two talents or two bags of money, he got $3 million. And the servant that got five bags of money or five talents would have got seven point five million dollars. Man, who wants to be a servant of this master? Come on, raise your hand. What if I told you you are? What if I told you you are? We, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a servant of this master. The story goes on to say in verse 16 through 18, the man who had received five bags of gold how did he steward the seed that had been entrusted to him? Well, he went at once and put his money to work and he gave five more. 
So also the one who had two bags, he gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. And so here we see that the, the servant who received five bags, at once he put his money to work. In other words, money is a tool. Let me say it like this. We use money and we love people. But if we get this backwards, we'll be in trouble because then we'll start to love money and use people. The Bible tells us that the love of money is the beginning on the root of all evil. Money in and of itself is neutral. It can be used for good, but it can also be used for bad. It can be used to wage war, or it can be used to help someone who is in need. It can be used selfishly, or it can be used unselfishly. And so money is neither good or bad. It's what we do with it that counts. It's how we steward the seed that's been entrusted to us. Now notice the two servants that multiplied what they were given. They put the money to work. The reason why so many of us can find ourselves in debt and struggle with getting out of debt is because we're always working for our money instead of having our money work for us. How many of us know that money is a wonderful servant, but it's a terrible master? This is why tithing, not tipping, tithing is so important. You know the difference. See, if, if everything I have belongs to God, and if I'm the steward and he's the owner, the owner says, I'm going to entrust some seed to you. But here, I want to make sure your heart's in the right place. So the first 10% that I give you, I want you to return it back to the storehouse, the local church. How many of us know this is actually tithing? Is this really obedience? Then anything we give above and beyond that, that's when we move into the realm of generosity. This is how we steward the seed. Another thing that's really important, not only tithing, but I would suggest to us today, if we're going to be a good steward of what God has entrusted to us, then we also need to have a budget, right? We need to have a plan. We need to have a a strategy of how we're going to use what God has entrusted to us for his glory. How can I be a good steward of what God's given to me if I don't even have a plan or a vision on how to use it? And so I'm a huge believer of not just teaching the church to tithe, but teaching the church to budget too. It's not either or, it's both. How do you know what to tithe? How do you make sure that your your finances are in order if you don't have a budget? We need both, church. Which, by the way, uh, we are having a, a financial workshop after church today. We'd love to have you. And our whole goal is to come alongside you and equip you and help you to have the financial freedom to do and be all that God's called you to be. The third way that we steward the seed is by knowing, number three, I'm going to give an account. I'm going to give an account. Here's a question. What can we do with what God has entrusted to us? Well, we can waste it. We can spend it. We can use it. We can invest it. We can hoard it. God lets us choose what to do, what we want to do with it. But then we will have to give an account one day for what we choose to do with the money that God has given to us. Take a look, Matthew chapter 25, verse 19. After a long time, you know, you start having something. Someone entrusts something to you, and then they just let you have it for a long time. You can almost start to think it's yours. Anybody done that? I've had some buddies leave some some things in my care, and after like a few years, I was like, you know what, this is just mine. He's not coming back. We better not make that same mistake with what God's entrusted to us. Because after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. 
One day God will settle, come and settle his accounts. And he's seen everything that we have ever done with our time and our words and our money and with our life. The times we use those things for good and the times that we didn't. And we're all going to have to give an account one day. And this is actually a beautiful thing because it helps us be responsible with what we've been given. But it's foolish to think that we're never going to have to give an account with what we've been given. You see, God created us. He put us on the earth. And at the end of our lives, he's going to ask, what did we do with what we were given? Now, I know this is a little bit of a punchy message, but here's my heart. My heart is that we would leave here today and we would realize everything I have belongs to God. Everything I have has been given to me from above. And I would just start looking around at everything we have. I start looking around at my family, my spouse, my parents, my kids, my possessions. And here's my hope that all of a sudden on the inside of our hearts, this gratitude and this gratefulness would start to rise up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've given to me. Thank you for what you've entrusted to me. Everything I have has been given to me from above. It all belongs to you. Thank you for allowing me to have it in my life. And I also realize that I'm not the owner, I'm the steward. And I want to steward well what you've entrusted to me because I understand I have the responsibility that I'm going to give an account one day. That God has made an investment into each and every one of us. He's given us certain gifts. He's given us abilities. He's given us opportunities. He's given us resources. He's given us wisdom. And God will want to know what did we do with it all? Did we live for ourselves? Did we just stockpile it up and, and, and have this big pile of stuff that we can't take with us when we die? Or did we use what we have been given to please our master? You know, in the story, each servant kind of has a different response to when the master returns. The man who was given five bags of money uh, made five more. Business leaders, I mean, that's a 100% return. I'd be extremely happy with that kind of return. That's a good investment. Clearly, this servant invested early in Amazon or Apple or Bitcoin, but then he got out before the crash. I'm just saying. The second guy doubled the money as well, but the third servant, man, he hasn't used what God gave him wisely, and then then he has the audacity to turn the tables and he tries to put the blame back on his master. This servant doesn't do anything with what he was given and then he blames his master for his own mismanagement and then he plays the victim. The problem is we can do the same thing too. It's why Solomon made this statement in Proverbs chapter 19, verse three. He said, people ruin themselves by their own stupid actions and then they blame God. Hey, I'm just reading the message. I'm just reading the Bible today. Don't, don't kill the messenger, right? But we can do this too. But God expects us to use wisely what we've been given. Remember the master's response to that third servant who didn't do anything with what was entrusted to him? He said, you wicked and lazy servant. Doing, I mean, doing nothing with what we've been given is lazy and wicked in the master's eyes. Doing nothing with our abilities doing nothing with our finances, doing nothing with our time, or not investing in those things that really matters to the master. Some of us have some abilities in this place, and God is calling us. He's not calling us out today. He's calling us up to use those things for the glory of God. Some of us can sing in this place, and we've been sitting in the seats far too long. There's more worshipers in this place. Some of you have the heart of worship like me, but you can't sing. You need to be an intercessor on the intercessor prayer team. I'm just saying right now. You need to pray. 
don't know what it is. I have the heart of worship, but something happens right here. And when it comes out, I don't know, I don't know if you can even call it worship. I'm just saying, but, but there's gifts that God has placed in our hearts. And, and the servant here, we see in the story, he, he buried it. And he said, man, I, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want that responsibility. And how many of us know this mentality leads to poor money management and even debt? I'll just ignore my financial status. I'll just ignore those credit card bills. I'll just ignore my problems. I don't want to deal with it. You see, we can't please God with our lives by not doing anything. I mean, God didn't put us on this earth to do nothing. God would rather have us try and invest our lives into something and have it totally fail than do nothing and succeed. And so the question is, why would this servant bury it? The better question is, why would we bury what God has given to us? And I would suggest to us one of the main reasons is because of fear. Fear of losing what we have, fear of falling short, fear of, fear of failure, fear. Which leads us to our, the fourth way that we can steward the seed God has given to us. Number four, is to understand that I can't let fear stop me. I can't let fear stop me. Now, now it's one thing to have fear, church, but it's another for fear to have us. Like every one of us feels fear. We all have fearful thoughts. But the question is, are we paralyzed by that fear or do we move forward in spite of it? Like if God has given us the ability to sing, there will always be that, that fear that nobody will like it. Maybe God has given us this, this gift of running our own business and stepping out of the workplace and stepping into places we've never been before and starting our own business. But there will always be that fear of what if I fail? There will, how many know, there will always be the what ifs in the back of our minds to keep us from stepping out to do what God is calling us to do. We see this in the story, Matthew chapter 25, verse 25. He says, so I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. Now, now we're getting to the real issue and there are multiple fears that can hold us back. I mean, there's the fear of self-doubt. I can't do that. I could never do that. Anybody ever told that to God? I could never do that. I made the mistake of telling God, I, I could never be a pastor. I could never preach in front of people. I could never do that. I know you, if you tell God I could never do that, you might as well just say, I'm, I'm doing it. But we can struggle with that fear of self-doubt. Man, I can't do that. I don't have what it takes. I don't have the experience. There, there's the, the fear of self-consciousness. Like, what will other people think? What will other people think if I step out and and do this? What will all the people think if I pray? What will all the people think? There's a fear of self-pity. Because I failed in the past, I'm not going to try again. But how many of us know the truth is we all fail? And I love, I love what Thomas Edison said. He said, I have not failed. I just found 10,000 ways that won't work. What a great perspective, isn't it? And what I love about the Bible is the Bible is full of messed up people who blew it. So I love the Bible. I mean, I mean, Noah was a drunk. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was proud and arrogant. Gideon was afraid of everything. Moses was a murderer. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. David was an adulterer. Jonah ran from God. Paul persecuted Christians and Peter denied Jesus. How many of us know God specializes in using not perfect people, but ordinary people who just refuse to quit and give up, right? Galatians chapter six, verse nine, don't grow weary in well-doing for after a while, 
That's the part of the verse I don't like. After a while. Well, how long's a while? It's a while. I don't know. But after a while, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we do not get discouraged and give up. Keep going. Doesn't matter how many, it doesn't matter where you've been. It only matters where you're willing to go. We can't let fear stop us. And then finally today, the fifth way that we can steward the seed that God has entrusted to us is knowing that number five, if I don't use it, I'll lose it. Matthew chapter 25, verse 28 and 29. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. The truth is God has the right to take away anything we don't use for his kingdom and for his glory. And how many know this, this principle actually applies to many different areas in our lives? Like, like if we don't exercise, if we don't work out, how many know we lose muscle? And we gain fat. If we refuse to, to learn, we lose wisdom. If we refuse to practice, we lose that ability or skill. If we don't use it, we lose it. But on the other hand, if we use it wisely, how I many God will give us more? God rewards us for good money management. Remember in the story with the two servants, there was affirmation. Well done. Well done. And who doesn't love hearing well done from their father? Well done, good and faithful servant. Then there was, there was affirmation. Then there was promotion. You have been faithful with a few things. Now I'm going to entrust you with even more things. And then there was celebration. Come and share in the master's happiness together. I'm going to close with this thought today. Luke chapter 16, verses 11 through 13. Jesus made this statement. He says, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? It's a great word. You mean there's something far beyond that's worth so much more than worldly wealth? And Jesus said, oh, you don't even know. I got true riches. And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, what we do with our finances is a direct reflection of how much we trust God. We have to decide what's going to be first in our lives today. You know, I was just thinking about this. You know, in, in the church, we spend a lot of time talking about trusting God. And don't get me wrong, that's extremely important. We quoted it earlier, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. But the flip side of that coin is not only that we would trust God, but that we would live our lives in such a way that he would trust us. You can trust me, God. You want to entrust some more things? You can trust me. I'm going to be a faithful steward. You can trust me, God. I'm a good servant. I'm a, I'm a faithful servant. I understand everything I have, you, you own. I'm the steward. You're the owner. And that we would steward our, 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 the seed God has entrusted to us in such a way that we recognize everything we have belongs to him. I'm the steward. He's the owner. Amen. I'm the steward. He's the owner. If I don't use it, I'm, I'm going to lose it. I can't let fear stop me. And I know I'm going to give an account someday. But I want to be a faithful steward with what you've placed in my hand. And how many of us know the kingdom of heaven is souls?
that more people could encounter a love that never fails. Not to us, but to your name, be all the glory, honor, and praise. Would you pray with me today? Father, we love you. We thank you for your generosity, how you gave it all. We thank you for this this truth and this parable that teaches us about what the kingdom of heaven is like, what really matters in life. And even as we close today, we talked about trusting you, God, but also living our lives in such a way that you could trust us. So as we're praying together today, can we just make this our prayer, church? Just say, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to respond to the message today? Because I don't want to just be a hearer of your word, God. I want to be a doer. Maybe there are those of us in this place today that we've never fully trusted God with our hearts and with our lives. It's not just about surrendering to God. It's also about submitting to him too. Maybe you're in this place and God is calling you to higher heights and greater depths in him. There's more, but it starts with a relationship, you going all in. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. The cross before me, the world behind me. I have decided to follow Jesus. And if you need to make that decision today, no turning back. Doesn't matter what I go through, I'm following you, Jesus. Here's my life, here's my heart, what you've always wanted. If that's you today, would you lift your hand to heaven as a sign of surrender, as a sign of submission to his authority in your life? Here's my life. Change me. I see your hands. Come on, I see your hands. Here's my heart. And then just pray this with me right where you're at. Say, God, thank you for loving me the way you do, for believing in me the way you believe in me, for standing beside me through the good times and even the dark times of my life. And thank you that no matter how many mistakes I've made, you still have a plan for my life. And today, in this place, in this moment, here's my life. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin on the cross. Forgive me my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live. My life is yours. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, come on, let's give God some praise for all he did today. So good. Come on, let's stand in this place. If you just said yes to Jesus, I know there was many hands up. I want to encourage you, take your next step. What I love about that story that Pastor Justina told about the, the guy who was going to rob a gas station, isn't that crazy? What I love about it is God spoke to him and he responded. And in a similar yet completely different way, if you just said yes to Jesus, that you, were, that you would continue to respond to his voice, that you would continue to follow him into places you've never been and watch what God wants to do in your life. And so I want to encourage you, you can fill out a connect card that's in the seat back in front of you, drop it in one of the giving stations on your way out, or you can text experience with an X to 94,000. We want to send you some next steps. Next week, we're getting, doing water baptisms. I just talked to a lady in between services and she's in her 40s. She said, I just started coming to church a month ago for the first time. I'm going all in. I'm getting water baptized. I just moved here from Texas. I was like, come on, take your next steps. But 
We'll close today. Let me pray a blessing over you. Come on, lift your hands to receive this. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, have an incredible week. We'll see you Tuesday. God bless you guys.